Uh, my name's Daff, and uh, it's my privilege just to spend a, a few minutes looking at that passage from the Bible with you. It's not one maybe you've heard, read at a Christmas carol service before, but it's one that helps us really understand all the other readings. I don't know how you find uh, waiting for Christmas. It is, of course, one of the great things that you do as a child. In our household, our six-year-old has got to that stage where they're asking every day how many sleeps are left to Christmas. Can you remember that? The unbelievable agony of going to bed on Christmas Eve evening and being told by your parents that you had to go to sleep despite the excruciating excitement and thinking you were, you were never going to sleep, you were going to be awake when Santa came. Apparently, that, that doesn't actually wear off. Uh, apparently, a third of 18 to 55-year-olds still put out a stocking for Santa every year. And one in six of 18 to 55-year-olds still write a letter to Santa. Now, looking at us this evening, that means somewhere between 40 to 50 of the adults in this room tonight wrote a letter to Santa. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. Advent calendars, they're popular to two. Apparently, 25 to 34-year-olds, at least one is, uh, uh, they're getting one from their parents every year, about a third of them. We love counting down the days till Christmas comes. But however excited you are about Christmas, I can guarantee you won't be as excited as the man in our reading. He had been excited for the whole of his life. In fact, he was one of God's people who had been waiting for Christmas, not just for a lifetime, but for 400 years. That, that was the last time God had spoken to them at the end of the first half of the Bible, the Old Testament. And he promised then that he personally was going to come and sort out the mess in his family. And so what we read here is happening about eight days after Jesus is born, around about the time we're getting the sort of post-Christmas blues, January the 3rd, having to go back to work. Simeon, this old man, gets the most exciting day of his life. And Simeon shows us two vital things about Christmas, two things you know already probably. Christmas is all about family, and Christmas is all about gifts. You see, Christmas is all about God fixing his family. Uh, Jesus has been taken by his parents to the temple. It's to perform a, a rite that the Old Testament law said you had to do for baby boys. Uh, let me read what it said in our passage. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Simeon's sitting there. He's a very old man. A bit like, you know, Uncle Fred or Grandpa after Christmas lunch. He's sitting in a chair in the corner, and whatever person gets anywhere near him, he's going to tell them the same old story. I'm here. I'm waiting for a great day. But, but Luke wants us to be in no doubt that Simeon's not some sort of old crank. He's actually spot on with what God's up to. That God has promised to come in love and tenderness to sort out his family. He's promised to come and restore his relationship with his people. That's what the consolation of Israel is. You see, the first half of the Bible really is a history of broken relationships. Uh, first of all, between people and God. Oh, we heard that in our first Bible reading from the book of Genesis. Uh, as Adam and Eve, the, the first man and woman, uh, they thought they knew best. 
You see, we, we were created to enjoy loving relationships with the God who made us and, and with one another. But, but Adam and Eve thought that actually ruling their own lives and doing what they wanted, that was the path to happiness. And so they rejected God, and relationship with him was broken. I wonder if you noticed how quickly that led to relationships between people breaking down. Uh, Genesis 3, God asked them, have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, "Uh, uh, the woman you put here with me, (laughs) she gave me some of the fruit from the tree and I ate it. Sound familiar? (laughs) Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, "Uh, the serpent, he he deceived me and I ate it. Uh, You probably heard the story, haven't you? The man blamed the woman. The woman blamed the snake. The poor old snake didn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> but, but it's just the same in our house, the arguments. Uh, dinner time, isn't it, over the table? It's always someone else's fault. That's what it's like in my family. And then what does God do? Well, he takes the people of Israel as his family. But, but a bit like a, a stroppy teenager, they, they refuse to do what he says. They're always storming off and and doing what they think is best. And so by the time we see Jesus born, they're disunited and they're dispirited. But God has promised, I'm going to come. I'm going to comfort my people. There will be consolation. And we need to hear that tonight. We need to hear that because their history as a nation really is a bit like our personal history as people. The Bible says we have all rejected a relationship with our loving creator God by nature. Uh, We've gone for running our own lives ourselves. And if you think that's a little bit harsh this evening, let, let me put it to you like this. Who has the right to tell you to do what they, you want to do with your life? Who has the right to tell you what to do with your life? I mean, surely, surely a reaction is to say, no one. It's my life. I choose what to do in my life. And that's what we do. We reject God and run our lives for ourselves. And that means that once that relationship is spoiled, well, it tends to spoil all our other relationships. Because when you get people together, not everyone can do what they want all of the time. It's why Christmas, of course, is a a wonderful time to rejoice in in family parties and getting together. But but it can also sadly be a time of some of the most spectacular family bust-ups. A couple of years ago, my my, uh, newspaper had this headline, Don't Kill the In-Laws, Watch Midsummer." Because apparently, apparently this is true, if you're thinking about killing your in-laws, if you watch a really good murder mystery over Christmas, it'll help you because you can fantasize about killing your (laughs) in-laws rather than really doing it. But, But more sadly, actually... Fact says that January sees more people filing for divorce than any other month. More partners walk out. And that divide we see in families, we also see between racial groups. We see between nations and our world. The world is a, a place where relationships have gone wrong. We aren't one big happy family of humanity, are we? We, we constantly bicker and argue and want to go our own way. Now, the question for you and me is, is do we see ourselves as as part of the problem or part of the solution to that? Or or to put it another way, do you think you've managed to live a life 
where whether you believe in God or not, you've loved other people in the way you want them to love you. And you've always treated the people closest to you in a way that you're comfortable and proud with and happy with. Because I tell you honestly, if you've, if, if, if you've managed to pull that off, I really need some advice from you. Because that's not the life I've led. And I guess if we're honest, that's not the life any of us have led. We love ourselves and we live for ourselves. And the great thing is God has said, I'm going to bring comfort. I'm going to bring consolation. I'm going to come and sort out my family. Now, that's what Simeon's waiting for. And it shows us that the second vital thing about Christmas, that it's about gifts. You see, Christmas is about God giving his son. Now, I don't know what, what sort of family you are in terms of opening presents. Uh, you, you know there are different traditions, don't you? There's the sort of the present binge family, that as soon as anyone wakes up, they can open absolutely everything before breakfast. Then there's the sort of stocking before breakfast, presents after lunchtime family, slightly more controlled. And then there's the really sort of uber-controlled, open your presents calmly and serenely throughout the day. We've never managed to pull that off in our family. Well, what Simeon gets, he doesn't get a present to open. He gets a present to hold. Let let me read you again what happens. Simeon took him, the baby, in his arms and praised God. And he doesn't surprisingly go, goo goo gaga, but he actually says something even more ridiculous. We say stupid things to baby. This must be the most stupid thing ever said to a baby. Let, Let me read you what Simeon says. He says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. He holds this baby and he says, Lord, I can now die in peace because I've seen this baby. This baby is, is your promised one. A baby not, not born in a palace, not, not born to a royal family, not born in wealth, not born with a top education, no, born and laid in a manger, born to a couple who are so poor that they can only, only afford a couple of pigeons to take for a sacrifice at the temple. But Simeon says, I'm holding this baby, and now I can face death without fear. Now I can die in peace. It's an extraordinary thing to say, isn't it? And as he gazes at this baby, he goes on to sing probably the first, if not the second, Christmas carol. Uh, Let me say what he says. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. This is the one who will save God's people. Uh, This is the one who's going to show everyone what God is like. And not just Israel, but but the Gentiles, all the nations of the world will see what God is like through this little baby. Anyone can come into God's family now because of this little baby. Can you imagine what you'd seen if you'd been there? Say you were standing on the opposite side of the temple courtyard. You'd have been looking at a very old man holding a very small baby. Now, I know people say stupid things about babies. You know, he's so advanced, he's rolling over. I'm sure, you know, at two months, he said, Mama, he's smiling at me. But this this has to take the biscuit, doesn't it? Now I can die in peace 
This is the saviour. He's going to show me what God is like. But, but the thing is, if, if you would read on in, in Luke's account, you'll see what Simeon says Jesus does. I mean, G- Jesus lives a life like no other man ever lived. He, he lived a life so pure that even his worst enemies couldn't find anything wrong about him when they wanted to put him on trial. He, he lived a life so loving that, that even the most rejected people of his day, they found acceptance with him. He, he lived a life so powerful that, that no evil spirit could, could stand his presence, that no illness was beyond his cure, that he even called one of his friends out of the grave from the dead just by speaking. You see, Jesus demonstrates that what Simeon says is absolutely true. That there's never been a life like it, but it wasn't a life of plain sailing. No, no Mary, his mom, is told by Simeon that there's going to be pain in this life too. But let, me, let me read to you what he says. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. You see, this baby is not going to be popular with everyone, or there'll be the rising of some. And as you read on through Luke, you'll find Jesus raise up from from the pit of despair some of the most hated and reviled people of his day. The collaborators with Romans, the tax collectors, the the prostitutes cast out by society, uh, the leper who no one wanted to associate with. Jesus literally often takes them by the hand and raises them up in love and brings them into a relationship with God. They're welcomed into God's family. But but at the same time, as you read on through Luke, you you find that that others fall, that the self-righteous The religious, those who think they're good people and have no need of him, those who are above and beyond Jesus, well, they're rejected by him as they reject him. Now, Simeon says, a sword, Mary, will pierce your own soul too. You see, Jesus isn't going to be popular. Mary's heart is going to be cleaved in two. And Simeon's absolutely right. As Mary stands 33 years later, and this beautiful baby has grown into a man, and though they could pin nothing on him, they still nailed him to a cross. And he hangs there dying, and her heart is cleaved in two. You see, the only way for God to to rescue his family was to experience the most bitter, broken relationship for us in our place. Uh, The Bible's very clear that if we reject the God who is life and love, what we will get and deserve is death. Not not just physical death, but but the horror of being shut out of God's family. The horror of, of actually experiencing to the full extent all of our selfishness, all of our unkindness and evil with no goodness at all. The horror of of being given over to God's rightful anger forever. And the Bible calls that experience hell. But, But the amazing news is at the cross, God takes hell upon himself for us. That in the person of 
his son, Jesus experiences what it is to be shut out of the loving care of his father. He experiences what it is to have poured upon him all of the hatred and unkindness and evil, all of our shame and our guilt and our regret. He experiences what it is to be punished in our place. So that as as he dies, he cries out in broken relationship with his Father in heaven, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, the cross was Jesus' destiny from birth. Simeon says, a sword is going to cleave your own heart, Mary, and it does. Your heart's going to be broken, and it is. That's what it will take for God to restore us to his family. And that means Jesus faces us with the the most important decision we'll ever face. The the decision between rising and falling, between accepting or, or rejecting him. You see, we either look at Jesus at Christmas time and our hearts rejoice because like Simeon, we see far more in this baby than than a doll lying in a manger or a, a few children dressed up having fun. We see the one who will restore us to God's family now and forever. The one who means that, that we can say to God, I could die in peace because of Jesus. Or our hearts will harden. As we reject him, we see him maybe as irrelevant to the lives that we lead. So, so just let me end by asking you, what, what do you see when you look at Jesus this Christmas time? What do you see? And, and it might be you see what Simeon sees, that, that you, you agree with, with what I've been saying. But, but maybe you've never accepted that the gift of God's son for you. Well, if, you've, if you'd like to talk to me, I'll be over in that FYI area after the service. I'd love to chat with you about making the gift of Jesus your own this Christmas time. But, but it might be you've still got loads of thinking to do. You can see the world's in a mess. I mean, you don't, you don't have to be a top scholar to work that out. Maybe even you could admit your life is not what you'd like it to be. It hasn't been all you hoped it would be. But, but you're not sure yet how, how Jesus fits in. And you're an open-minded sort of person. I guess if you've come this evening, you're, you're an open-minded sort of person. So you're willing to consider life. Uh, there was another article in my newspaper recently with the heading, Young Think Father Christmas is in the Bible. Apparently, one in 10, 25 to 35-year-olds expect to find Santa in the Bible. Now, I'm, and I'm not surprised, really. And the reason I'm not surprised is that most people have never actually looked into one of the accounts of Jesus' life. It's incredible. Most people write off the person of Jesus Christ without ever considering any of the evidence. But, but I, I, you're probably an open-minded person, and all I'd want to do is, is ask you, will you consider the evidence this Christmas time? Will you consider the life of the person who's set the calendar for the last 2,020 years? The person who, who actually means we've gathered here tonight to, to sing these songs. Will you, will you have a think about whether Jesus really is the one who brings us into God's family? Really is a gift of God to us? And we, we'd love to suggest a, a few ways you could do that. On the way out, we'll be offering people a copy of this book, The Gift. That's what we're saying, Jesus, is a gift from God to you personally. A gift of love. You could take this book, 
You can read it surreptitiously. No one has to know you've got it. You can put it in your back pocket. You could read it on the train in a paper bag if you're embarrassed about it. But you can find out about Jesus on your own by reading this book. It might be that you've come and you've got a friend who, who believes this stuff and you think, I'd like to look into one of the, the books of Jesus' life, but I've not a clue where to start. Well, why not ask your friend to sit down and, and read John's account of Jesus' life with you? Why not say, look, we'll, we'll meet once with a cup of coffee. We'll read the first 18 sentences of John's account. And if it goes well, let's do it again. If it's rubbish, let's pretend it never happened. But why not say that to your, your friend who's, who's a follower of Jesus? Let's, let's do that together. Or, or it might be that you, you prefer to come along to a group. Um, you like to come along to an evening where you can ask any question you want, but, but you'll not be asked anything by us and you, you won't be put on the spot. And we run a, a, run a course here, it's called Christianity Explored. Um, like Ron Seal, it does exactly what it says on the tin, it explores the Christian faith. Uh, and I'd like to invite you to come for one evening in January, on January the 9th. You'll, you'll have a card explaining it, and we're just going to watch a little video clip now to explain what it's all about. But, but thanks so much for listening, and please do take the opportunity to explore Jesus this Christmas time.